Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Maroon and Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Alsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, I mentioned before we started that I'm feeling very fatigued this week, and I, I did forget, you know, so it's, it's, it's work stuff, but like more just the idea of work, I guess. Um, but it's also a bunch of other stuff. And one of the big ones is moving. Yeah, that'll do it. Moving even when you get your key over three weeks before you need to move out of your old place. It just it requires a level of thought and um, planning and physical effort that is just really annoying. Yep, it is the worst. I'm planning on sleeping in the new apartment this weekend. Nice. Uh, but that means I have a big moving day on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That means tonight I got to go to the store and put some things in the fridge. Yep. I got to unpack some stuff that I bring over there anyway, which again, it's better to do this, you know, sporadically as I need it than to move everything all at once. But if I moved everything all at once, it would be over. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. Um, it, it is a it, as that book title would suggest, a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> um, just a chain reaction of more stuff, stuff to do, stuff to spend money on, stuff that takes time, stuff that takes effort, stuff that is exhausting. Um, so, with that, all that in mind, I, I wish you the best of luck. I'll be going through that process likely in the next few months too. So, yeah, I. Certainly, as a as a as a twenty something, um, can can relate having <laughs> done my fair share of moving in the last five ten years. Well, I haven't moved since uh, November twenty twenty, and uh, so I I got a nice reprieve from the college lifestyle of moving literally every year. Yeah. So this this is better. I don't know if, how long I'll stay in this new place. Um, it is a garden level, so maybe I get tired of the bugs or something. I don't know, but for now, it's a new home, and it will uh, be my proper home in a matter of days. Well, so it doesn't so it doesn't go unsaid. Congratulations on that. Um, that's you know, moving new places. It's fun. In in I mean, it's not like the process of moving isn't fun, but you know, being in a new place, having new experiences is kind of cool. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a bedroom. That's a plus. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, you know, looking forward to uh, part of that, just mainly looking forward to it being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very big month for Chandler. Mm-hmm. Uh, big few weeks for Chandler, and a couple of the ways it's been big is concert going. Yes, sir. I went and saw Big Thief and Mastodon, or Madison. What a, what, a, what, a, what a double bill. What a co-headlining bill. I saw them in Madison, not with Mastodon and Mastodon, you know. So, um, and that was a good time. They played a very crowd-pleasy set. I, I keep a spreadsheet now of all the uh, times I've seen them because, you know, uh, I, I had... I think they were the first band I've seen three times. Yeah, another first band I've seen four times. So therefore, I got to start a spreadsheet of all these set lists of theirs. And 
there were only let's see four songs uh out of their total of 17 that i had not seen live before which as someone who's been to you know these four shows on the same tour i am undoubtedly an outlier here the average person there was hearing some of these songs for the first time um and it's you know still fun like they they still seem to have a a really great time with spud infinity and um they still trot out some stuff they haven't put on any records yet and um you know it's they, they still have their alternate versions of a couple songs they do seem a little bit tired of playing not every night yeah um but you know they didn't like give half effort or anything um just their body language wasn't as into that song and um but they still were, were engaged with the crowd and it was a good time. And Madison is a great place to be big fan of that city. Mm-hmm. Um, the next morning I went to Mickey's dairy bar and had a big pile of eggs on top of a big pile of potatoes. And on top of that mm-hmm. was some sauerkraut, some spinach and a very, very big pile of cheddar cheese. And I got to tell you, it's really, really good. Good eating experience in Madison that morning. Nice. But then my time in Madison for the year was not done. Not done. No. Because I had to drag this guy <laughs> and then also one of my former college roommates to uh to Madison to go see Bonavere yes. Saturday, um at Bree Stevens Field, very close to downtown, very close actually to where I saw Big Thief, basically just across the street. Yeah, because Big Thief was at the Sylvie, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, so right there. Yeah, um, and if I wanted to, I could go back to see some of the other bands that they had advertised. You know, Father John Misty seems like a good time, but I won't be doing that because that takes time and money. Instead, I'll be sitting here talking about the show we just went to. Yes. Um, but first, I will let Aaron talk about it because I've done a good bit of talking. Aaron, what do you think of the show? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I, I think it was, uh, on, on the whole, it was a good set. I, I still think the one that we saw in 2019, the ICOM-I more formal album tour, uh, was I think my favorite time that I've seen them, as well as I think still probably a top five to ten concert that I've seen. Um, the reasons that I put that one ahead of this one are um, the setting – We'll probably talk about, you know, the outdoors, which is cool. Great for some bands, but for this band is kind of weird, both from a, from a cultural standpoint and from a visual standpoint. Um, there were some really cool visuals, uh, but I thought the, I was just really blown away when we saw them in 2019 by the just the way everything looked and how massive everything felt. You know, I mean, bands in this with the kind of in that sphere rarely, you know, play arenas. Um, and, you know, I was really impressed with how they had scaled it up from the smaller shows that I had seen, or even the festival shows that I've seen. Um, and then culturally, I mean, just, you know, again, it's, it's in a theater or in a, and I'm sure you'll talk about this, a theater or a arena, people are going to be a little less, you know, just kind of vibing, (laughs) you know what I mean? They're going to be a little more locked in. Um, so that was, you know, a little bit of a mark against it on this, uh, on this uh on this show but as far as the music goes um i i liked it i liked the set list i like the heavy um reliance on i comma i um i just think again that record is so warm so almost like 
I mean, it's not totally direct, but by Bon Iver standards, it's like pretty direct. And again, warm is the word that we use then that we use now. The songs are just very melodic and um, very accessible, which on when you're playing outdoors in a festival feel um, really is a, a boon. Um, I thought the set took a little while to sort of get going. I mean, these are all songs I like, you know. I mean, um, Lump Sum is great. You know, 666 I like. Obviously, Perth and Towers. Um, you know, they're, they're, all, they're all good songs. Um, and they had their moments. But I thought the accessible streak from Jailmore onward um, was really the and which coincided, of course, with it getting darker and the lights and everything. I thought that was the, the highlight of it for me. Not that I not that I don't like the other stuff. I just thought it. it I just thought the the second half landed better than the first, which is sometimes how you sort of structure a, you know, how you how you structure a set, right? Um, you want people, you want the emotional arc of it to be, you know, trending bigger and better, and you want to leave people on a on a high note, you know. So yeah, um, the highlight for me, you know, and this is you know, I mean, as it was in 2019, was Blood Bank where which is just a massive, massive guitar rock song in their hands. And I love I love the electronic stuff. I love the weird vocal effects on the 22 million stuff, you know, um, you know, creaks and whatnot. Um, I, I love it all. But, you know, I'm a sucker for guitar rock, you know, and, and Blood Bank completely scratches that itch. The the visuals on that really landed were really phenomenal, I thought. Um, and it was just really, a, really a highlight one I was looking forward to and one that really uh, where there was really a payoff. Um, other great moments um, or interesting moments, I thought. Um, stacks. I mean, there were those people talking, which kind of blew. But it was still cool to hear stacks, I thought. I mean, even a seven out of ten stacks is a <laughs> it's still stacks. You know what I mean? I mean, that's such a such a cool, beautiful, beautiful sort of song. And there's a, co- a very specific cover of that song by the great jazz guitarist Bill Frizzell uh, and like a harmonica player that I listened to a lot. And so it was just cool to hear that and be like, oh, yeah, that one that I listen to all the time, you know, as one does at a concert with a band they like. <laughs> you know, Holocene, obviously, is just Holocene. And then Skinny Love. I think it was the – I don't think they had played Skinny Love – I don't think they played Skinny Love. Did they play Skinny Love in 2019? I don't think he did. He the talked only, about the, the only song that they played from from a forever ago when we saw them the first time in St. Paul was Lump Sum, which we also got here. Yes, yes, and what which was good, um, but yeah, I mean Skinny Love. It's like you know, I I, I don't take a specific fancy to it. Um, but, you know, it is an important song in the Bon Iver mythology, <laughs> you know, and for the more casual, again, for the festival type fans, you know, it's kind of like red, red meat, you know, um, <laughs> it's just a good, you know, easy song to sing along to. And I thought that was a cool moment. And then throughout, just again, the visuals, I thought in the second half of the show, as it got darker, were really great. Again, I thought the arc of the set was really great. Um, that last song that they played uh, was, you know, obviously more direct communal, but also was communal, right? It was very warm and, and inviting in a way that some of the music is uh, is not. Um, and I think that's an interesting dynamic that they have, right? Is that just a lot of the music, especially the 22 million stuff, like it's it's insanely interesting and it's really good and really impactful. But, you know, it, it can be, for a, again, at a festival like that, 
you know, it's like, it's a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's a lot. I don't know. But yeah, th- those are kind of my general thoughts. Um, that was kind of a lot on my part. That was my soliloquy on that. But yeah, I liked it. It wasn't my favorite Bony Bear show that I've seen, but uh, it wasn't my least favorite either. So we got that going for us. You know, you, you mentioned like it's a, um, you know, the, the warmth and directness of, of the Aikama Eye stuff and like the the ability for them to be this kind of communal summary band. It does feel like live they are just, and maybe this has been the case from pre-Aikama Eye, which is an album very much about like, you know, keep your friends close and like be, you know, it, it, it's a song about life and not being alone and everything, uh, or an album about those things. Whereas, like, you know, 22 Million is this extremely cold record. Yeah. And you saw them when they were doing 22 Million in full. So maybe they were, there was a period where, like, they, they weren't as warm live, but it feels like even the songs from before I, comma, I, seemingly get this treatment obviously blood bank has the sort of neil youngy yeah you know, um extended jam solo thing on the way out and um you know even towers or um i i think it was lump sum may have had like more of a, a rockish tone added to it at points and on six 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 at the very beginning, his guitar sound. I, I turned to you when when he started, so that sounds a lot like the Edge. Yeah. Um, you know that there there is a certain like we want to have fun and play these really sad rock yeah. songs to you when they weren't really rock songs before, uh, which is interesting. You know, an interesting dichotomy and sort of cuts against why I gravitate especially towards Twenty Two Million because mm-hmm. that's like a go to. I'm feeling awful today album. Yeah. But on the other hand, like, I do just absolutely love 666 and, yeah. you know, 45 is it? Yeah, 45 was great. Uh, but like you said, it was not a good atmosphere because no. the crowd sucked. Yeah. Um, there for, and up for the first half of the set, there were a ton of people around us talking. Yeah. The 11th song, which was Death Breast, the second song off 22 million um for those of you know the song you know there's this sort of you know everything clears you know there's no sound and then just like the most like speaker popping bass wave like it gets thrown at you um and i gotta tell you it hits live and it's yeah. so well that everyone shut up yeah except for these two guys <laughs> who would not stop talking the entire show except when the one guy went to get a beer which is a welcome reprieve yeah but they were just on the other side of you you were like right next to me on my left and like justin vernon is out here pouring his heart out on stacks which is my opinion i don't know if it's the best bone of air song but it's no worse than third yeah it's in the conversation absolutely for most of people and it is like a hardcore um, give your attention to this. This is like as this is bearing your soul type stuff. And these guys just won't stop talking. And then I was incredibly annoyed. There's this line um, toward I don't I remember 
I don't remember exactly where the song is. It's not at the beginning, but it's oh. the, you know the 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 sort of metaphor of the song is you know the idea of stacked is like it's it stacks money like you're at a poker table, and you just keep placing bets even though you're losing, um, and also you um, you're in the the to use the words of the song you're drunk as hell, and when Justin Vernon says that. Lots of people in the crowd just go, yeah, yeah, woo, <laughs> you know, because they just hear, oh, drunk, that means we're having a great time. Beer, that's good. <laughs> I know. Um, this is where I respond because I'm a good member of the audience, which is just like so missing the point. <laughs> and that just really, really bothered me, in addition to the guys who wouldn't stop talking, in addition to the many other people who wouldn't stop talking for the first half of the show and were really interrupting my vibe on Joe Moore. So that was just, that was really annoying. They were doing it during the quiet songs, during the loud songs. And I'm glad eventually, you know, once Skinny Love came around, A, those guys left before the encore, and B, like you mentioned, it's a good song to, to sing along to. It is cool to have that at a show, even if Skinny Love is like nowhere near the top of my priorities yeah. as a Bon Iver fan. I do still love hearing the song when it comes on. I can sing along to it, which I can't say for every other Bon Iver song. Um, you know, there were there were a number of times where I realized I actually really don't know the words to to like uh, I don't know um, God or whatever. You know, yeah. because a lot of them are kind of opaque and sort of weirdly phrased or whatever. Uh, but Skinny Love is very easy to get, very easy to sing along to, and uh, so we got a good sing along, and that was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't love Rabbi as a closer, having seen it once. It feels very appropriate, but also like it would be kind of nice if they played something that went a bit harder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't. I mean, it was a nice. I mean. Again, on the summer night, it's all right, and I get what they're going for, but, again, something that was more hard-hitting or impactful, you know. It's not an impactful song, <laughs> in my for, for me at least. Maybe for some people it, it is in a different way, but for me it doesn't hit super hard. It's it's a lot looser, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't, you know, it's not going out with a bang. Yeah, and it, uh, it didn't help, I, I don't think, the amount that Justin Vernon did, the sort of spoken word versions of the first couple verses mm-hmm. um but yeah it's like i really like it it's a good coda to a very good album um but you know when when, when you go from stacks holocene naim on tour break skinny love and then you kind of bring the room down a bit to to go i mean it, it's like big thief ending with change when i saw them it's kind of like you know it's not quite the vibe we're going for but oh well it was a good time i'm glad i did it i really wish it was under better circumstances um which is mainly just to say with a crowd that didn't suck um but they're one of my favorite bands and i hope the next time i get to see them isn't four years from now yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hope they, hope they, uh, hope they come back to somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and, and the good news about being in the Upper Midwest is we can usually bet on them going somewhere within driving distance. 
Yeah, if they're if they're if they're playing anywhere, it will be within. If they're playing somewhere, we're we're good. You know what I mean? As long as they're playing, we'll find a way. Yes. You, you said our paths are likely to intersect. Um, I will ask, uh, because I know you've got a hard out, give me two minutes on the best in the national. Um, pretty good show. Um, the best, very punchy, very catchy, uh, good diversity of indie rock uh, sounds. Uh, the national uh, new album is mm, kind of whatever, but uh, ultimately the old songs, uh, you know, the favorites and some deep cuts uh, led to a uh, fantastic uh, set, uh, great visuals of the armory, uh, and just some massive, massive moments, uh, especially ter- terrible love. Well, I don't know any national songs um, aside from their Bon Iver collaboration from last year and their uh, rendition of The Reigns of Castamere from Game of Thrones, um, which is a that not knowing any of their stuff was part of why I decided not to, to go. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will ask, um, well, one, how close were you to the front? And two, uh, could you get a sense during the bets, like, were the people at the front the, the sad dads who got in line earlier? Was it the young people who had the time and the energy to do that? I think it was more this, the whole thing, the whole vibe was sad dads. Okay. Uh, there were many sad dads, many a sad dad shirt worn and sad dads, you know, girlfriends and wives and, you know, and some sad moms too, you know, you can't leave them out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a much, much older crowd. I'd say there were, there were more young people than um, I thought there would be. Um, but, you know, is, is what you expect from a national crowd, pretty old, pretty white, um, just kind of, you know, it just, you know, I, I, I like the music, but the crowd sort of is what it is, you know. Probably some IPAs going around. Yeah, many, 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 many a $13 IPA was sipped at the Armory. Well, good to know. Um, I'll maybe listen to a national album one of these days, and I will see the bets in the future, because I do quite like them. But we got to talk about football. Yeah, we do. It's August, mm-hmm. um, and that means football is very soon. Mm-hmm. We've got camp going on. There's an open practice on Tuesday. We missed the one on Saturday because we were seeing Justin Vernon play some music. Um, but we can still talk about the team, uh, and we're going to revive the series of Gophers preseason questions we did last year and I think the year before as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be three or four questions, depending on how often we record this month. The first one today will be, what position or position group or multiple positions most need to improve this season? Yeah, yeah, I got an answer. I'm sure it's a pretty obvious one. Well, maybe maybe not. I don't know. I, it's, I've been out of the game too long. It might not be, but... Well, that's not to, to speak of your acumen. Just like I think there's there's one that everyone would agree this this position needs to be better, and I don't know if it's that that you're thinking of. Well, I'm thinking of defensive line. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that what you're thinking of? I was thinking of a different one, but we can definitely talk about the defensive line. Yeah. Um. Just you know, I mean, the interior was good last year. We were very good against the run. 
Um, but we struggled as far as rushing the passer. Um, and we had good cornerback play. I mean, the defense was pretty good um, sort of throughout. Um, I would say elite except at rushing the passer. Yes, yes, that's, yeah. So I, I, all, all that to say, just I, I just think they need, they, need, they need to step that up, especially if the rest of the defense regresses even a little. Yeah, this was a major problem last year where they would um, they would get pressure and then not turn those pressures into sacks either because they would lose the quarterback uh, in the pocket where you know break from the pocket and be able to find time and either scramble to pick up a few yards or to complete a pass. We saw this against Rutgers and Colorado where they were playing bad quarterbacks and it didn't hurt them as much, but then it came back to really hurt them in other games later in the season against oh, better yeah, teams. Um, so, you know, we, we need to see better containment of the pocket. We need to see more pressure, you know, like more immediate pressure instead of it being, you know, good coverage downfield forcing, you know, just, just like what, what's usually what they say, like three seconds is what you should have from snap to throw, something like that. What you expect, what you expect your offensive line to hold. Um, and the defense is very good at forcing coverage pressures. We just need coverage sacks. Yeah. Uh, and Danny Strigo had a very high pressure to sack ratio last year. Mm-hmm. or uh, whichever way it would be to say he converted a lot of his pressures into sacks, which suggests he's probably due for some regression, um, much in the way that Thomas Rush was last year, and then Thomas Rush ended up not being someone you could consistently count on to uh, get sacks. Um, so we would hopefully see the guy who's probably going to be the starter at Rush and become better at rushing the passer. I think he's a really solid player. He seems smart. He gets his hands up on throws. He, he he knows where to be. He's in the right places. And so I like him. I think there's a good chance he does improve as a rusher. Um, he also will probably not get as many sacks out of the pressures uh, that he gets this year because, uh, you know, it, it's he just set too high a bar. But you're really looking at the other side, too, where Jalen Logan Redding is just not a threat rushing the passer at all. Uh, at least he hasn't been. Um, and then you have John Joyner, who is the team's best pass rusher, probably, um, but really, really needs to work on his stuff against the run, where he just he doesn't put up enough of a fight. He doesn't have the gap discipline. Uh, it's just everything needs work. And you yeah. know, I know, I know they said, and just to shoehorn the quote that I heard from Cap, they're high on him. <laughs> you know, of course, you know, you're high on every, you're high on everybody in camp. But uh, they did, they did. I believe PJ did mention that he was um, feeling real good about where Jaws at. But you know, and I look forward to. I, I'm, I'm most probably excited about John Joyner. Um, There's upside. I, yeah, lots of upside. Upside also with Anthony Smith. Mm-hmm. P.J. Fleck said is playing multiple positions uh, this camp, which having not been at the open practice, uh, I can't report whether that means he's moving inside to three technique at times, which would make sense with Troll Tarter transferring and they're kind of being a vacuum there where is it Darnell Jeffries? Is it Devin Eastern? Is it someone else? 
Jacob Schuster just transferred to Oregon State. So there is an opportunity there for Smith to get some reps inside, and he's a very highly touted recruit, former four-star. He registered last year. Um, he's got, you know, an insane, like, frame. He's a huge, huge dude if you ever see him in person. Yeah. Um, and so they hope that, you know, he, he needs to see the field, I guess, and they hope they will get something out of him once he does. Yeah. Um, so I don't have many issues with Kyler Baugh. He did a perfectly fine job last year. He's the only guy who's left over who started consistently last year and who I think did enough, a good enough job to feel safe at his position because Joyner and, and Redding, you know, they're, they're two sides of, of the same coin, I guess. And, you know, we, we need one of them at least to be able to pick up the other side of their game, you know, whichever one they're lacking. Logan Redding needs to be better rushing the passer. Joyner needs to not be a borderline liability against the run. Either one will do. Just uh, we need someone to take that step. Yep, and be consistent as well. Yeah. What I was thinking of was wide receiver. Yeah. Um, because this is a really big year. It's the first year of Ethan Kalik Manis being the starting quarterback full time in a planned way. Um, and not just as a, an injury fill-in for Tanner Morgan. And he just brings a whole lot of upside that Morgan just never did. Yeah. Um, as, you know, you looked at their stats last year, and on certain levels you can say they're basically the same. You know, uh, yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, basically identical um, completion rate. Kelly Manis was significantly worse than Morgan, but also Morgan was attempting – Way fewer passes downfield. Um, he was in more screens, more quick passes, and the deep throws he would attempt weren't going as deep. So, Kyle um, Manis with that arm, with that mobility, with some really impressive poise for such a young player, he unlocked so much in your passing game theoretically. Yep. And you just didn't really have the guys to take advantage of that last year. Yep, I mean, you thought you did going in, but the group as a whole, and it didn't help that, you know, Ottman Bell's injury, of course. Um, you know, it, it, what am I trying to say? Um, yeah, they, it was a disappointing year for the unit and a disappointing year for the passing game in general. Daniel Jackson took a significant step up mm -hmm. over the back half of the season, which was very encouraging. He, he'd never taken on such a big role. He had been the former four-star recruit who'd been second or third fiddle to a lot of players, whether that was his freshman year behind Bateman and Ottman Bell, and then uh, behind Michael Brown-Stevens, really, even uh, his sophomore year, in addition to just running into some injury problems. And uh, to, to see him become someone who you could see making an all-conference team in 2023, yep. Uh, that was really encouraging. And I think he can be that type of player. I think that Elijah Spencer, the transfer from Charlotte, yeah. can be that type of player. He is a really good route runner on the outside. He's, he's big, also, too. He's, yeah, he's 6'2", yeah. and he moves incredibly well. Obviously, that's not a huge towering presence, but he's someone who can win the ball in the air. Which going you know, next to Ottman Bell, who when we last saw him, was one of the best jump ball receivers in the country. That, that's not an exaggeration. Like, statistically, his contested catch rate, according to PFF, 
was one of the highest in the country. Um, then you've got Revan Spanford, who's six seven. Yeah. You've got these guys who can do up and get it, which probably means we're going to see a lot of goal line fades that will drive Chandler crazy. Um, but also it gives you some flexibility on offense where Ottman Bell is a good route runner. Daniel Jackson can do – he's played a lot of roles where he's played underneath. Yeah. Deep. He's played Inside, outside. Yeah. And then Spencer is not just a deep route guy. And then you've got Crooms, who's probably just a slot receiver, but he's a pretty solid slot receiver. Yeah, well, he's he's proven, he's established. He had, you know, he has over a hundred catches in the last, you know, two years. So, yeah, I'll beat it at a lower level, but he's an established veteran presence who, you know, for a third or fourth or fifth receiver, what have you. I mean, you gotta like you gotta like the depth that you have at that position. I know again, we've said this the last few years and it hasn't panned out, but uh, but between Croom, Spencer, Jackson, Alvin Bell, um, and Brockington. I mean, that's a good – that should be a pretty good unit. It should. And and I don't remember exactly what terms we were speaking in last year, but I feel like a lot of it was probably along the lines of you, you, you have to figure with this many guys who have done good things and who have shown flashes of good things yeah. that, you know, surely one of them has to work out. And then one of them got injured, and one of them mostly worked out, but the others just kind of fell off. Yeah. Brown Stevens and in Dalen Wright. Whereas this year, it's not only you feel great about the depth, you feel great about the upside too. Yeah, absolutely. Can be much more confident than you were last year. Yes. And again, that combined with the quarterback play, you know, with a quarterback who brings higher upside. I mean, it's, it's again, I know we're not asking the philosophy question this, uh, this year, but uh, it does come down to that too. Like, are we just going to run it a hundred times a game? But there is the, the potential is there, and we did at times see them open up the playbook for Caliak Manis. Um, so if they keep doing that, you know, people stay healthy. There is definitely room for this to be a good, you know, very productive unit. Definitely, and that's going to be crucial because, um, you know, it's a it's an offensive line that is probably going to be, I would say, slightly worse than yeah. last. Um. And also, no Mo Ibrahim to kind of make up for times when the the opposing team packs the box. So I do really like their young running backs. Yeah. Uh, do you like Sean Tyler? I like Sean Tyler. I don't love Sean Tyler. Yeah. He, he, he seems passable. I would say he's, he's good. I, I would do above passable. Um, yeah. Just I guess I'm like pass. I mean, he's not Mo. Yeah, good's probably the way to put it, where he's been productive, but he doesn't have a ton of upside. Yeah, and I, I think last year he was very limited by what Western Michigan was doing and some of the limitations they had on their team, where his offensive line was not very good, mm-hmm. and they were kind of force-feeding him the ball at points, and the opposing team knew exactly what to do, and they did not have the quarterback play to sort of you know, keep – the defense honest you know they they had crooms they had a, a couple decent receivers but um their first choice quarterback got injured another guy who came in just wasn't that good and so there were just fewer opportunities to for him to break off bigger runs a larger proportion of his runs were chunk plays than before um and he averaged fewer yards per attempt because it just became a boomer bust scenario, if that makes yeah. sense. 
Yeah. But even still then, I mean, he still averages five, if you average five yards per attempt, he's still a thousand yard running back the last couple of years. Again, albeit at the Mac level, I mean, still got to feel pretty good about him. Yes, I, I think he will be a better player this year in an offense that has more to complement him and an offensive line in front of him to protect him, to make sure. Like uh, last season, he averaged just 1.6 yards before contact, wow. uh, which is not good. So uh, that, that, I guess, is my review of Sean Tyler. I was going to talk about him later, but we just did the Sean Tyler talk, so there you go. But Evans, good. Yay. Yeah. Zach Evans, Darius Taylor, they're going to be awesome 2024. Yeah. And one of them may be awesome this year. But uh, anything else on this question we want to touch on? No, I think that um, I think that that about that's an offensive defense. I mean, I think that's it's good. Good of good of two answers you're going to get. All right. Good with me. Well, you got to get going. It's going to be kind of an abrupt end to the podcast. Uh, I guess will we answer the next question next week? Probably. We, yeah. Well, Sometime, some point. Yeah. Either the next week or the week after. We're still working out our schedule for this month, but um, when we next talk, we'll do that. We'll probably throw in some other stuff. And uh, until then, everyone have a good weekend. Good just general time you know where there's less summer left than there is behind us yeah bye everyone bye